Lesson learned, sentenced to 45 months in federal prison for watch and car fraud on today's episode. You're listening to the Gray Market Podcast, your daily source of watch and horology news, brought to you by the experts at Luxury Bazaar. Good morning. Today is Friday, February 3rd, 2023. On the episode today, I have Adrian with us to discuss an ex-client of his by the name of Dan Lesson. If you haven't heard of him, he was just sentenced to 45 months in federal prison for car and watch. Fr- well, I guess he was sentenced wire, for wire, wire fraud. fraud. Yeah. Wire fraud. Uh, Adrian, good morning. How are you? I am well. How are you? Can't complain. I say that every day. Some days I can complain, but today is no, not one of those days. No. Bobby tends not to complain. He's very, he's yeah. very, uh, what's, what's the word where you're not reserved, you're... Uh, outspoken. You're no. outspoken. But, but that's not, yeah, that has nothing no, to do with that. outspoken, but at the same time, you're, um, like, I don't know. I don't know. Whatever. I can't. It it's funny because like night. some of our comments on like the previous episode said, you know, who is this guy interviewing? What does he do? What's the point of this podcast? Like introduce us, you know, and I, I responded saying like an introduction is only visible once. Like you're only going to watch it on one episode yeah. and then I'm not going to do it every single episode, but I guess just I'll do it once. My name is Avi Shankar. I'm the chief marketing officer at Luxury Bazaar, and I wanted to test out doing a podcast where we talk about all things watches, all things horology from the experts. That's it. And about life lessons. <laughs> about life lessons. Lessons. No <laughs> pun, in, pun intended. Yes. Dan lessons. Yes. Adrian, tell me what you know about Dan and your experience with him, and I'll read out, read out some of the news stories that came out about him. Um, Ian, if you could pop on a picture of you know who Dan is, let's talk about him. Well, it is a very long story, and we could literally sit here all day discussing the story. But to make a long story short, Dan Lesson was a guy who reached out to me on Instagram, which is as common as it gets nowadays to for, for new client leads. So here's a, here's a kid that reaches out to me, and I never really tend to judge people based on what their Instagram looks like. Because sometimes somebody could look like a real baller on Instagram and then just not be a baller and vice versa you know i met a guy on instagram that for example has been a huge client of mine his whole instagram page is him cooking cookies Hmm. (laughs) you would never assume but you would never assume very unassuming anyway dan was one of those guys where something was somewhere in between i looked at his page it was it was uh private at first and then once we started talking he uh requested my my follow request First thing you see, supercars, hypercars, Porsche 918 Spiders, Ferraris, rare allocation stuff. And I'm thinking, okay, whatever, you know, maybe he's either self-made or the son of somebody very well off. And the natural progression of things was he was, uh, we were talking watches, just kind of going back and forth. And um, he was interested in a uh, Grand Complication Audemars at the time we had, it was full rose gold. And he said, my father may be interested in the watch, so after speaking, he said, let's meet in New York. He lives in New York. He has a place in Miami. Let's meet in New York for lunch. Okay, so we met uh, in lunch uh, at Nobu in New York. We brought a few other pieces that we were discussing, and nothing really came into fruition on the Grand Comp, but uh, we ended up doing a few trades. Pretty normal standard procedure. We left. Everything was fine. A couple weeks went by. He hit me up about something else. We did a fair, fair deal. He wanted something. We sent the wire. A couple more weeks goes by, a couple trades start happening. And then there was a situation that uh, he kind of put me in a weird situation with another dealer. And from that point on, I kind of told him that what he did was just not really good behavior. And so did the other dealer. And we kind of lost contact for the better part of a year. Can you go into the details of what happened that turned you off? RM he had for sale. Uh, He wanted to sell it to me, but I had explained to him that the papers... To the watch were unoriginal and then i asked him where he 
had sourced that piece, and uh, he told me from who he sourced it from. It's actually a very trusted guy that I do business with, so maybe it could have been an oversight. So I said, listen, Dan, don't, don't say that I said anything yet. Let's, let's verify this. So he went back to this dealer, who was actually a friend and colleague of mine, and basically told him in not so many words, oh, Adrian Taskin said that you're this and these papers are this. You know, I said, mm-hmm. don't say it in so many words. We can work together as dealers to come to some type of compromise, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it basically caused bad blood between me and that dealer, and I just basically told him you're incorrect to do that, right? Yeah. I didn't, I said, in my opinion, these papers are not real. Where did you get them? And I, I basically told him what to do from that. But he, he flipped the script to make it look like I was, you know, talking shit on this dealer when I really wasn't. So he threw you under the bus. He, he basically threw me under the bus. Uh, so a couple months went by. We didn't do anything else. We kind of squashed that. Me and the other dealer squashed that beef. That situation was resolved. And um, so well, the, way that, the way that happened was Dan actually just bought that watch from that dealer. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that dealer's watch. He was just in between. Gotcha. So that, that's how that happened. Anyway, a couple months goes by. This is around December December 2021. Mm-hmm. Oh, so recently. Yeah. December 2021, he hits me up again, and he says, I am traveling to St. Bart's, and I have a very good connect there at Audemars Piquet. I'm like, okay, whatever. When you get there, let me know what's for sale. I'll buy something off you. He sends me a message with all the hottest shit. Like, I mean, I'm like, dude, how the hell do you get this? So – little backstory about him. This whole time we're communicating, he's talking about how his father's an oligarch. Mm-hmm. His Alexander Lesson, some oligarch. And, like, I did a little bit of research on him, but I didn't really look too much into it because all the dealings we were doing were legit. There was no terms. He was paying on time. He was trading on time. Everything was fine. So I didn't really look into it. But I always kept a cautious eye on him. Anyway, so um, plus he told me the collection his father has and he sent me pictures so I'm like alright this dude is the real deal anyway he gets the same part sends me a picture of a skeleton 41 a 15202 a couple turbions stuff that you just don't get in, at one shot and he basically said hey, listen I paid the dealer under the table to get all these watches do you want them so after a few days of negotiations he ended up coming to our office here mm-hmm. he was here brought everything fresh everything was good I paid him on the spot he left wow. oh well, he didn't leave then he said that that same AD, or not the same AD, but a similar AD in St. Bart's, has an allocation of two very, very important Patek Philippe's that we're going to take about nine months to get. So my father and me, we don't want them. We're, we're, we're kind of geared towards something else, but we kind of feel bad saying no. So we want to, uh, we want to see if, if you'll buy them and us make a short profit. So I'm like, okay, fine. So we ended up actually sending him a deposit of 400-something thousand dollars for those watches. He left the office, back to business as usual, he contacted me in a few weeks, we started doing more business. And then I got a tip off from a fellow friend of mine in Southern Florida, randomly. He goes, hey, uh, by the way, are you still doing business with Lesson? I'm like, yeah, why? To which he responds, he goes, drop whatever you're doing, stop doing business. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, he's not who he says he is. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, he's not the son of an oligarch. In fact, you know, his, his family, you know, they're just a regular upper middle class family in New Jersey. He's not the son of an oligarch. He's not rich. He's running a Ponzi scheme. I'm like, well, what do you mean? What kind of Ponzi scheme? He goes, with cars. I'm like, with cars. So to, to my knowledge, what he was doing was he would sell allocations of 
hyper cars to mm -hmm. people. So he would take somebody's money and never pay him back. And it was a Ponzi scheme. He would pay that guy to pay that guy. And the proceeds that he was getting from these cars, he would diversify into other things. One of those things being watches, some other cars, jewelry or, or, or what have you. So at that point, I got a little bit concerned. Just to, to, to break it up right there. I remember him being here. I remember hearing the fact that he's a son of an oligarch. I mm -hmm. remember there was some talk about like, you know, private jets, helicopters, yeah. like the whole life. You know, he had the look. He, you know, he passed the typical tests. Mm -hmm. um, all of that was funded by his Ponzi schemes. Hundred percent. Wow. Hundred percent. And actually, let, let me let me just rewind back a little bit. Uh, not only not only was it the tip off from a buddy of mine saying that he's running a Ponzi scheme, but a few weeks prior to that. He came to Miami to last year's trade show to talk to me about uh, a, the 5711 Tiffany. Mm -hmm. So my father's getting allocation of one. I'm sorry. My father got allocation of one and has a second one coming. He came. Ian, can you throw that up, please? Thank you. He came to the trade show. We discussed the deal for six hours. He was sitting in the booth and we were going back and forth. He made it seem like he was calling his father because I had sold the watch to somebody very important in Europe. The next day, the guy sent, sent me a $500,000 deposit mm -hmm. for the watch. And to make another long story short, there was no 5711 Tiffany. He took me for a crazy ride. There was no watch. And uh, I actually saw there was an Instagram post, which I'm sure Ian can post up as well, where he's sitting courtside with a 5711 mm -hmm. Tiffany, which I came to uh, later find out was a fake 5711 Tiffany. Oh, he also mentioned that his father owned a piece of the Milwaukee Bucks. And it was, it was just this whole convoluted story. He was, he was very, very believable, like true con artist. Right. So as time progressed, I notified a few other people that I knew had dealings with him as well. And we kind of all to get, got together as a collective to essentially mitigate our risk and our exposure at that point. And we all lost a little bit of money. And uh, he paid. He actually ended up paying a lot of people back almost in full. Nice. But he got clipped. And I remember there was a time um, when Russia invaded Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And I kind of used the story where, hey, man, like, I know your father's an oligarch and all these oligarchs are getting their yachts seized and their planes seized and all types of sanctions, right? So I used that card to play into his ego mm -hmm. for him to kind of pay me back some of that money and to take in some trades. And to make a long story short, we didn't recover fully, but that could have been a lot worse. Uh, he did pay some back. He paid a lot of other dealers back and uh, got arrested. Got arrested. I remember hearing a rumor that he couldn't locate the 5711 because he didn't. His father didn't remember which safe. vault or which safe he kept it in. That he has them all over the world. Ridiculous story, and that's that. Yeah. That's pretty much the like uh, the foundation of a con man. You know, they make you believe these crazy stories, yeah. and uh, it made me look like an asshole in front of the guy I sold the watch to. It was actually somebody very important, but I didn't really have any reason to believe he was bullshitting because he came through on his word all the time. Mm -hmm. I saw some of the collection he had. I saw some of the cars he had. He always came through for for you know for the most part, and then that that was like the icing on the cake. The fifty seven eleven Tiffany story. My buddy in Florida telling me that he's no good, and then everything just unraveled from there. So yeah, I remember you also. We it was either you or the company. Somebody got a call from the FBI asking about these dealings. You know, was there some sort of an inquiry about like were we a part of like an inquiry from the feds? Uh, we were not. No, okay. we, we we did not get inquired because everything with him was everything with him was kind of documented, right? Mm -hmm. There wasn't there wasn't a lot of uh, a, a lot of transactions I would say and it was all it was all legitimate. Everything he did there, there everything he did was legitimate with us, meaning he's a customer, sent him an invoice, he sent us payment from a legit, legitimate account. I guess we're very lucky the fact that nobody actually, you know, 
I guess that we weren't involved in it, obviously. Like, everything that, you know, we yep. did was business as usual. Obviously, yeah. we didn't do anything shady. Um, I just, I wonder how much, you know, people got taken for, you know, by his scheme. You know, like, I wonder what the number was. Um, I think the watch guys in the community were the ones that uh, didn't get hit as badly as some of the car guys. Because no. I, I know some car guys lost, like, half a million dollar deposits on, like, a Monza. Or so explain something. this to me. Like, so if I want, you know, I want an allocation, he would just sell me his place in line, let's say for half a million dollars to be able to buy this car at retail. To, to, to my understanding, and I also, from what I understand, he had a very large credit line with the bank, so what he would do is he would, um, so let's say he would buy a Porsche 911 Turbo, because mm -hmm. I, I know he did this for whatever sticker price, 200,000 bucks. He would finance the car, mm -hmm. he would sell the car for cash. So look, you, you walk in, you gotta put, let's say 20% down on the car, you're into the car for, it's called 50K, you make your first month's finance payment, and then he flipped off the car to people without transferring the title. Okay. And there was smart, educated, rich people that got a car with no title and didn't even think twice. Wow. Was it? I mean, I'm assuming and he, he was just it. delayed. And he you know? did. And he did it on multiple different occasions. And he always came up with some really, really good excuse as to why that yeah. is. And then when everything started to crumble. A lot of people got taken for a lot of money. Yeah, so I mean, now that I'm looking at some of the details from the article, it says that he was charged with committing approximately $3 million in wire fraud. Mm -hmm. We don't know how much of that was paid back. We don't know how much of that was actually, you know, recovered. Um, but just, you know, for the people that don't know, Dan Lesson is a 24-year-old YouTuber and car collector, you know, supposedly. Um, he claimed to be a Russian oligarch's son with billions of dollars at his disposal. Now, was he Russian? Did he speak Russian? Yeah. He yeah, did? Yeah. Okay. Um, and just recently, I guess just in the last 30, 60 days is when he actually got sentenced. I'm not sure how long the case was going for, um, but we are not the only ones that were involved in, in you know, in selling him watches. I'm, I'm sure others were as well. Any, have you, I know a couple of uh, car YouTube channels did some videos about yep. him and talked about him. They probably got taken for the most. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, it, he, he basically left a scar on everybody, um, but, uh, it, I, I guess it, it, if it prolonged, it could have been a lot worse because what happens is when you have a very wealthy client, a lot of times you can kind of you you're, you're shade you you, you turn you turn the blinders off, right? And you just kind of you sometimes get greedy. It's the natural order of things. Yeah. You extend credit, you take on a lot of risk, and then boom, and that's how they get you. Now he's not the first one that we've you know we've encountered with that sort of a, a scheme. Well, maybe not the car scheme, but just pretending to be somebody he's not. Oh, he's definitely you. not the last one. Yeah, he was just the one that I guess because we spent some time with. He actually came here. We took him out to dinner, mm -hmm. um, and yeah. But his his scheme was so elaborate. You know, it's a shame he was only 24 years old. You know, and I'm thinking like, first off, how do you live with yourself doing that to people? A, B. How do you not use your skills, your brains to do something positive? Yeah. If he was to utilize his potential in something, he could have done great things. You know, he one of the things he said was he created some type of uh, gambling algorithm or some type of application that he then sold to Stephen Wynn. And that was like his little little chunk. Obviously, his dad has more money. 
And you're just sitting there and you're believing everything because you have no reason not to believe anything. You see his collection, you see his cars, you see him on the PJs, you see him in St. Bart's every week, you see all these different things. You're like, all right, you know, because well, we have clients like that. Of course. Now, the whole world just recently watched this on the Tinder Swindler. This is exactly oh, the man. same situation, except he's not getting it from women, he's getting it from car collectors, car dealers. you want to hear the fun funniest part about that? When uh -huh. he was sitting here, we were have having lunch, we were just bullshitting, talking about nothing. And one of the things I mentioned was, <laughs> I said, did you watch the Tinder Swindler? <laughs> Oh and then he was like, oh, my God, this guy, blah, blah. And then, and, then, and then later, I'm thinking, holy shit, remember that conversation? I, I was thinking to myself, that I, was, I was literally talking to, like, the mere, like, the clone of the Tinder. So story. ironic. That is crazy. Under, yeah, you crazy. know, he had to have been sitting there, like, laughing inside, 100%. like, dying. You know, I think some people like that, uh, I think he's so deep in his own bullshit that he almost believes himself. I think it's, like, yeah. a psychological thing where he doesn't think that he's... He's uh he's sc scamming anybody. He 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 like it's some type of almost like what's yeah. what's the personality like multiple personality disorder or whatever the hell it's called. I feel I feel like it's some type of crazy psychological mishap. I don't I don't even know what you, to call it. You kind of have to right. I mean yeah. if you believe your own you know nonsense so much you become that person. It's the same thing in any like you know obviously you know if you believe it you'll accomplish it. In his case he accomplished something that you know unfortunately shouldn't have been happening. Any idea how we could deter this from happening in the future? Anybody can kind of fake a life, fake an Instagram, you know, account with all this baller shit. Like, I don't know if they could fake the Ponzi scheme, but again, there are people with Ponzi schemes. What would you do different if somebody else walked in with the same spiel? The, listen, we, again, we acted in good faith. We did everything by the book. The only thing I would say I would tell other dealers or other people to be careful of is extending credit. That's that's where problems start to happen because if you're so, I don't I don't care you know what who you say you are or what you're doing as long as you have we have a product you wish to purchase it and you send and we send you an invoice and you wire the money or you use your credit card and everything is verified that's that's normal business and if you're selling something to us we have agreement by our, that our attorneys uh, drafted up it's a purchase agreement where we get your all your information we get your identification mm -hmm. to make sure it's all clean. Credit. That's that. That's the key here. That's where most people got hurt. I'm just thinking, like right now, is there? You know, can somebody take the same scheme that he did and did it and do it with watches? Where I will sell you an allocation for this watch at an AD. You know, for this much money. Is that something that could ever be done? Do you think? Well, he kind of did that to us, right? With, with 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 those two, with the fifty, the the two references were a fifty three hundred three and a fifty three hundred four R, both grand complication minute repeater turbion paddocks. Wow. So he did essentially sell us the allocation. Okay. So yeah, I guess he he yeah. he migrated from doing it from cars to doing it for watches. Who knows what could have been next? Mo with I think in the car world, that that allocation process is a little bit different than the watch allocation process. Uh, is Listen, I, I know that the car business could be as volatile just like the watch mm -hmm. business, but most people will sell watches when they have them on hand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not you know actually I mean? selling, not, your not, not selling your place in line. Yeah. Okay, makes sense. Anything else to add about the lesson learned? <sighs> don't be greedy. Boom. Be careful. Don't be greedy. And uh, just cover your bases, cover your tracks. You know, as as time progresses, and you know our exposure gets bigger, that then in turn it's a numbers game. We get more clients, we get more eyes on us. We just have yeah. to be, we just have to be careful, and we have to we do we now do even more due diligence since that to ensure that we're protected, that the client's protected, and that business is as squeaky clean as possible.
There you go. So, uh, look, it, it was a hard lesson, but it did teach us a couple of things. So we changed the it, way we it, do business. Uh, there was a lot of sleepless nights, man. A lot of sleepless nights, especially with the Tiffany Paddock situation. Because I just felt it was more of like a it was more like a moral blow. I felt bad mm -hmm. because I'm always a guy that likes to be a man of his word, and if I promise something, to deliver it. And he was the puppet master of that whole scheme. And I couldn't deliver on my promise. And I tried to, at the time, try to find another one to, to, to give it to, to that guy. And I couldn't. So, anyway. By the way, lesson what, learned. Are, what are they going for these days? Uh, again, they're, they're very, very short and dry out there. But the last one that I know is it, around $3 million mark. $3 million. Yeah, it's kind of where it is. Okay, so guys, if you're looking for a 5711 paddock, make sure to reach out to us. We'll get it to you for around $3 million, you know, yeah. maybe a little more. Um, thank you, Adrian, for joining me today. I appreciate the story time. Everybody, if you like this episode, if you want us to continue doing this, make sure to like, make sure to sub subscribe, review the podcast, however you're getting this content. Make sure to let us know to keep doing this. Thank you. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Lesson learned.